0: The following is a for Vengeance Media production.
1: The sport we love is undergoing a shift. What a beauty! Borders are breaking down. Some might say disappearing.
2: and the freedom to choose is gaining momentum through it all players are better than ever at all levels
3: from youth hockey to the best junior leagues and the highest level the game
1: is reaching new heights presented by Four vengeance media this is game changers the home of hockey on silent ice tv
3: Welcome to another episode of Game Changers. My name is Dean Millard, Brandon E. the president of 4 Vengeance Media and the voice of the Spruce Grove Saints in the BCHL, as with me as always. Man, how good does it feel to just hear that repeatedly now, man?
0: It's a breath of fresh air, I could say. It's refreshing. Uh, not only, I think, for us and staff-wise, but for the players to get them back out on the ice, a wicked first game for them on Friday against Sherwood Park. And I won't sugarcoat this. One of the best games of hockey through and through, almost like the Oilers game the other night in Vegas, Aiden Hill, my goodness, what a game he had, by the way, unbelievable game. He just knew it from the moment he stepped on the ice that the Oilers ran into a hot goalie uh, that night and weren't able to get their 17th straight, which let's just say 16 is impressive by itself. But yeah, the, the Saints game was incredible. It was like a, a breath of fresh air, a renewed energy, a new life in the building, new life for the players, coaches. Uh, excitement, I think, too, was back. And Tyler Woke, our color guy, will tell you as well that the excitement was back in the building. It, it was a wicked atmosphere to be a part of. Uh, the game was action-packed, great flow. Grove uh, ended up getting the win with a 5-3-W, uh, including the empty netter. Stephen Kirkpatrick, two goals, including the game winner, a shorthanded backhand breakaway beauty uh, that got it done and a well-officiated game as well. Big shout out to our one of our uh, referee and chiefs here at Silent Ice and the Referee Academy, Scott Fulmer, coming out of retirement, putting the uh, stripes back on, not the armbands. He won't do that, just the stripes and lines in a great game along with a young crew uh, sent by the BCHL who were already in town to do the JPHL showcase at Silent Ice Center and in Morinville. And hey, just happened to work out that they were needed on Friday as well at the grand fear and a wicked job uh, through and through. It was a breath of fresh air to be back on the ice, back in the booth, I should say on
3: Friday. Uh, Well done by everybody involved for sure. Timing is everything, and uh, for the fact that this worked out the way it did—it's um, just—it's serendipitous. Uh, okay, so we're going to have a really fun show. Uh, we're going to dive into our top five stories of the week, but then we are going to bring on Executive Director Dan Lekelt from Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment, uh, a man that you've known uh, for many years. I'm—I'm I'm just getting to know for the last year, but um, you know, between him and Lindsay and the entire staff at Silent Ice, have built an empire in independent hockey so we're gonna chat with him not not only about the recent news but how everything got started where does the hockey passion I've said this to many people it feels like we're just one big hockey team and I think that stems from the two guys at the top and Dan and Lindsay loving the game so much so I'm really looking forward to this conversation and I know our viewers and our listeners are as well
0: Yeah, I mean, nobody's got to hear directly from the horse's mouth, so to speak, about what transpired in the Spruce Grove Saints BCHL situation. Dan does touch on that towards the end of the interview. But more importantly, like you said, he talks about his love for the game, his career with Concordia, a brief stint in minor pro, his time with the Stony Plain Eagles, and now as an owner of Seattle, Spruce Grove, uh, and Stony Plain, I guess, too, still as well. The team that started everything off and then his branch out into independent hockey. It started as one team back in 2017 that grew into now a league that has just under 1600 athletes in the hockey super league. And then you add in everybody else in the junior prospects hockey league in their sophomore season. So well over 2000 athletes uh, that he's got as his clients, he called them in independent hockey plus the junior teams that he owns. Uh, So it was just so cool to get Dan on and get, his mindset and his humble beginnings and his humble past and how, you know, there's times where people say maybe he's doing too much, but he talks about his parents and his grandparents and how the hard work was instilled from them onto the next generation and so on and so forth. And that's why he does what he's doing. He's just a guy that loves the game. I uh, loves to see people have success and just all around those two uh, brothers, Dan and Lindsay, just so, so great uh, when it comes to, uh, being humans, and it was a, a blessing to have Dan on and just to hear what he had to say about everything from top to bottom. It's a great interview, so make sure you stick around for it. You betcha. Before we get
3: to that, we'll get to our top five stories in hockey, uh, and and we started this off last week. And there's never a shortage of stories in hockey, so uh, we can get into that. The first one is um, it, it's a bizarre story, and the fact that. A unopened box, an entire full box of 1979 80 Opeachy hockey cards has been found in Saskatchewan. And this is Wayne Gretzky's rookie season. So, just a little quick backstory for maybe people that don't know the history of Opeachy. They actually, the Opeachy hockey card company, actually started out making gum. No word of a lie. That's how Opeachy started. It was a gum company. And they thought, hey, you know what would improve our gum sales? Let's put hockey cards in with the gum. Well, it's turned out that the hockey cards infinitely more popular. And can you imagine five, six, maybe 20 Wayne Gretzky rookie cards in this box? And Brandon, I'll tell you from when I was a kid, do you know how good my BMX would have sounded with 20 Wayne Gretzky rookie cards because that's what we did with our cards is we put them in the spokes so our bikes could sound like motorcycles and then our parents would get mad because we used a Wayne Gretzky rookie card. But this is just an incredible story. I know uh, you were a big card guy and and maybe still are. I haven't seen my cards in a long time, but this is wild. Can you imagine? This is like finding an uncashed lottery ticket because the bidding I think is over a million and a half already.
0: Well, first off, we put pop cans in, in our bike tires so we didn't wreck. It was a Wayne Gretzky card, it was a, uh, a drink and crushed can of Pepsi uh, back in the day. I, I did pull out the binder and I'm looking at the dates on these things and just the clear little holders from buck or Two that were actually a buck back in 2004 and five is when apparently these were purchased. I don't remember, I don't think I purchased them. Obviously, I was like six right. years old. But um, Wicked, nonetheless, and speaking of Opici, here's a good one that I think reigns well with all the fans in the area. There's Whoa. an Alish Emsky Opici card, and this is uh, kind of the prime of the Edmonton Oilers is this page, uh, that 06 Cup run. You got guys like Joffrey Lupul, uh, Sean Horkoff, Jared Stoll, Dwayne Rolison, uh Marc-Andre Bergeron. Um, there's a Ryan Smith there as well. Uh, pretty cool. I mean, heartbreaking for sure for anybody that knows how that cup run ended. Um, but that was maybe my first time that I actually understood what was going on, uh, in the game of hockey and how a team makes the playoffs. They go to the Stanley cup final and unfortunately Roly got injured. And I'm a firm believer that if Roley didn't get injured, they would have had a great chance to win. Um, our boss now uh, JJ Haber, was of course the director of communications for the Oilers at the time. And remember he told me one story where he was on the ice, uh, after the game seven loss and although they lost he just wanted to take it in and just see what this was like because little did he know at that point they would never get back uh to that game and still haven't for that matter and now jj of course with us at silent ice and yeah it's just such a hard game i'm a firm believer it's the hardest trophy in sports to win mm-hmm. but how about that you know way before my time but if i was walking down the street and came across five or six OPG wayne gretzky cards you know i wouldn't sell them that's for sure i'd probably keep them I got to wonder if my uh, my dad or grandfather, if they got a couple of those in their stash, you'd really have to dig through the boxes at our different households to try find it. But uh, pretty cool because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are still pretty big hockey card enthusiasts.
3: Oh, there are so many. You, you know, like you, you watch the Edmonton Sports Talk. They're always p- opening cards on the air and things like that. My favorite... Wayne Gretzky rookie card story is, uh, one of my best friends, uh, Steve, his, his, went to a game with his dad in Winnipeg. Gretzky flipped him a puck, uh, from warmup. And that's pretty cool, right? Wayne Gretzky flips you a puck. So they go home back to Brandon, two hours ride home. He's looking at this puck. His mom thinks he's doing really special. It's a Gretzky puck. She's got this Gretzky hockey card here and cuts out the hockey card to glue onto the puck. Little did she know she was cutting out a Gretzky rookie card and glued oh, that onto no. the puck. So a funny story, and I'm sure there's lots <laughs> of those because people didn't realize how valuable uh, they might have been at the time. But uh, what a uh, a wild story to find an unopened full box of Opeechee hockey cards. And and going back to that 06 run, uh, career highlight for me, meeting Bob Cole in the press box of, of that Uh, final series, and it was a great time for Edmonton. Maybe we'll see a revisit of it this year. Uh, The big heater just ended, as you mentioned, at Vegas, but uh, they can start another one up maybe uh, down the road. All right, let's get to our uh, second story, and this is a a recap of what happened uh, in the JPHL uh, basically uh, over this past weekend. And there's some really great storylines to talk about in the JPHL. How about uh, the story in the U14 division of Andy McCollum? Uh, he's the goaltender for HC uh, Edmonton, and he's perfect so far. Uh, I don't believe in any kind of a shutout jinx or any broadcaster jinx, so I have no problem saying McCallum is perfect right now. But look at these numbers, 13-0. and 0, a buck 90 goals against average, 9.14 save percentage, and two shutouts on the season. His partner. Chase Couturier is right behind him, 16 and 1, 223, two shutouts, 898. Uh, Edmonton has lost once this year um, in regulation and also once in the Winter Championships. So that is uh, remarkable, uh, a story after our own heart because uh, we are both goaltenders. So to see a guy who's absolutely perfect, I think, is terrific. Um, also, when it comes to the U15s, uh, we talked about this last week and Liam Pugh. Well, he's hit the century mark already in 35 games. This is combined U18 or U14, part of U15, part of me, and U17. 35 games, 65 goals, 39 assists for 104 points. He hit the century mark this weekend in 35 games played. He had a six point game. Four goals. You're going to see it later in our plays of the week for sure how deadly he was. But the century mark in 35 games, some of those uh, also against a tough U-17 competition, which is also a big story with the big four. When you look at the standings, the Titans and Edmonton, separated by one point North stars Langley separated by one point. So first place in the U 17 division will be decided in the next two weekends. And man, it might go down to the very final day. The North stars lost uh, a big one this weekend to Edmonton and then beat the the Titans. So uh, all kinds of crazy action going on in the U 17 division for first place. And in the U 18 division, It's all about third place uh, in Alberta because the top two teams, Edmonton and the Titans, they're on to it. They're going into the playoffs automatically. The bottom four teams, they go into a playoff tournament that will be held in Calgary. And so the big battle right now is between Lloyd Minster and Calgary. Who will get third place? You get home ice advantage in the third four game. If you win that game, you're in the playoffs. If you lose, you got to win one more game game so some incredible storylines that bore out over the weekend you know I think uh, the two that stand out for me is Andy McCallum perfect at a goalie I don't care how good your team is to be perfect and and you can't talk enough about Liam Pugh, a hundred points plus in 35 games every weekend, more storylines and more will be built again this weekend because we are in Calgary for the Alberta showcase and Abbotsford for the BC showcase. So again, we're going to make more storylines, but what one of those ones kind of stood out for you, Brandon? Well, Pew, first and foremost, I mean, the guy's unbelievable. We
0: talk about him every single week on the podcast, the poster boy of the JPHL for the next decade. Whichever team in the Western League gets this guy, congratulations, because he is an unbelievable hockey player. You called the goal that he scored on Feb 1st last weekend, where he toe-dragged three guys and then went between his legs and put the puck home. He even almost faked out you. In the broadcast booth, yeah. where I think you thought he was going backhand, he went back to his forehand. Imagine how the poor goalie feels or the defenseman on the ice. He's just so ridiculously good. And I think the hashtag powered by Pew is trending now, as it should be. <laughs> uh, he is he is such a good player uh, but you talk about McCullum too it's so hard for a goalie to be that consistent uh, game in and game out as you know uh, as well as me it's not easy to be that focused and that dialed in every single day you go to the rink so credit him and credit the d as well on that u14 hc edmonton team is i'm sure they got a lot to do with that uh, additionally but great stuff as usual from Uh, The JPHL, the highlight of my weekend from the JPHL was the uh, U18 Okanagan overtime win at about 11.30 p.m. (laughs) on Thursday night. Uh, They had a little mix-up with the charter. It was a little late getting in, so all the games got pushed back. And you hear Dan talk about it and independent hockey and the problem-solving. Well, there's a prime example, right? You have a charter plane that comes in a little bit late. Your bus drivers, your Zamboni drivers, your broadcast crew, referees, coaches, etc., all adapt, overcome. Problem solve and the day goes off without a hitch. It finished a little bit later, but other than that, nobody would know. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a wicked hockey game, a, a goalie battle for sure. I uh, got to watch Adam Perron. It's going to be a future Spruce mm-hmm. Grove Saint. He scored the first goal of the game five minutes into the game, so a natural storyline there. Game went to overtime, and Okanagan finished it off on a, on a nice two-on-one. But That was the highlight uh, for my weekend, but just, again, shout out to all of our broadcasters, our crew, our camera guys, play-by-play guys, producers. Uh, Well done, you know, no, no issues through and through nothing that anybody would notice. That's for sure. And it's really uh, cool to see that the job that you're doing and, and for vengeance, uh, it's coming together quite nicely as we're able now to take a step back and let the production personnel handle it. Not that we don't want to be involved because we love it. And we wouldn't get to tell these stories if we weren't uh, firsthand in some uh, situations, but it's been uh, really rewarding to see how far we've taken this from, you know, phone calls here and there to setting up Mm -hmm. people technically to now sit back and enjoy the action just like everybody else.
3: I, I got to tell you, putting together the plays of the week, uh, I, I think we have exceptional uh, broadcasters and play-by-play, but it really comes out how talented the camera operators we have when you see the types of shots, when you can see the giant smile on the, on the youngster's face after the goal because our camera person has expertly pushed in at the right amount of speed, and it just looks professional. I mean, we do. We have exceptionally professional people. We're also developing some other people with those professionals. So it goes hand in hand uh, with what everybody at Silent Ice is trying to do in in terms of uh, the development. Now, this is a developing story that I did not think I would ever see, but more potential changes for junior hockey. And we don't know all the details. There's a lot of rumors out there, but the the story so far where there's smoke, there's fire is the NCAA is looking at maybe allowing CHL players. The reason they haven't done it, given them eligibility is because they deem them professionals. So now they're looking at giving up that eligibility. The CHL reportedly is seeing how they can react and what they can put in. So this isn't exactly um, a straight up partnership, but certainly... I think something that for these teams, they're going to look at as being a a benefit for them. Now, the one thing I have heard about uh, in all of this is that this is going to destroy independent hockey. I just don't buy that. I think, yeah, you might get some guys that want to try the CHL that also want to maybe try the NCAA later on. Yeah, that could happen, but I don't think this is going to change a lot of hockey players that just want to go the NCAA route that are in the BCHL that leads all junior hockey and NCAA commitments. I This is going to have some sort of an impact, but the... It's, it's just like the boogeyman stories before this year with the BCHL. All the stories that this is going to ruin independent hockey, I don't believe it. I'm still not convinced this is 100% going to happen because the NCAA will be totally changing their tune, although they have NIL now, so who knows. But this is a, another change potentially here in junior hockey, Brandon.
0: Yeah, and this is an interesting topic, and it's kind of just been coming to fruition over the last couple of weeks. And I think Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick talked about it on 32 Thoughts this week as well. But do you run into the same issue you run into now where we have, uh, let's say, Ian Mitchell, now of the Boston Bruins, played for the Spruce Grove Saints, left to Denver University as a true freshman at 18 years old? If you're a Western Hockey League team, you don't want to lose that kid after a 17-year-old year, year, do you? You want to keep them for 18, 19, and hopefully 20, and push for that Memorial Cup or WHL Championship, or for that matter, OHL Championship or a QMJHL Championship. So I find it tough in that respect. What's going to keep these kids from leaving their junior teams early? Or is there going to be a process put in place to say that they have to play until they're 19 and then they get to depart? I mean, that's the biggest problem we face right now with the Spruce Grove Saints, and it's a good problem because that's the model. If you have a very good player and he leaves you as a true freshman at 18, well, then you've done your job developing that player, moving him along, and this is exactly the BCHL approach now, and the Spruce Grove Saints, along with the four other AB teams, are members of the BCHL. There's over 250 commitments now in the BCHL, and right now, at least... It is the best development stream if you want to play NCAA hockey. Almost in North America. It rivals that of the USHL. So there's so many ways to look at this, but you also mentioned the pro angle. So you have a guy, and I'm trying to think of a, a valid example that we could bring up. Um, you know, maybe Reed Schaefer from a couple of years ago that played for the Spruce Grove Saints, went on to Seattle, was drafted by the Edmonton Oilers in the first round. He was the last pick in the first round. He signed an NHL contract, but then he kept playing in Seattle for that one more year. If you're the NCAA, and I understand what's going on with the NLI, and they now have the chance for players to maybe make a little bit of profit through a sponsorship deal or a brand deal, how does that work, though? You know, if if a guy like Reed Schaefer is signed, to a pro contract, and he's making the league minimum at eight fifty or whatever it is. Can he go play in the NCAA under an NHL contract? I have a tough time believing that. What do you think?
3: I, I don't think that will happen. Um, I, I'm still not convinced that this is going to, because this is the way I look at it. So you, exa- an example of a true freshman, let's use Dylan Simpson from a few years ago who fast-tracked his last year of school before he went to North Dakota. So he was, he was basically in grade 11. So let's say you have Dylan Simpson on one hand, then you have this 21-year-old that just left um, WHL. And now he's gonna play for four years. This guy's gonna be twenty-five or twenty-six years old when he's done playing hockey and Dylan Simpson's come. That's a massive age discrepancy that you could be having uh when you could have, you know, twenty-five year olds playing against a seventeen year old. That's that you don't see that in the NHL. Yeah. They're 18 no. for a reason. So that's the one thing I look at in, in this situation is A a lot of hoops still have to be jumped through. What can the CHL do to make sure? Are you going to implement that if you sign with a CHL team, you can't leave until a certain age? Well, now you're just becoming even more of a dictator as people already think uh, the Hockey Canada controls a lot of stuff. So this is going to be another uh, hot-button issue to watch. I think where there's smoke, there's fire, and we saw that with the independent hockey stream. I think that there's something to this. I just... I have a hard time wrapping my head around some of the issues that you brought up and and the same with mine. But I don't know. I'm still not convinced. Uh, The NCAA uh, protects itself so strongly. So we'll see if this comes to fruition. 25-26, I think, is the earliest that this can come into play. And I'm not 100% convinced, but where there's smoke, uh, there's fire. Well, the big smoke. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, right, Dino, just one more
0: thing on that, too, and two things. Actually, the first off is the CHL, as they should pay for these kids via a scholarship to attend post-secondary in Canada after their career is done. Do they still do that? What's the price discrepancy from attending right. the University of Alberta versus Harvard? You know, it's, it's got to be a little bit greater when it comes to the monetary sum. And the other side of that, too is what does that do to the University of Alberta or UBC Mm. or Saskatchewan or even lower at the Nate level or the Concordia level in the ACAC? Does that not detriment their programs because they're not able to go get the players that they've been used to getting for the past forever? You know, we've even seen some Edmonton Oilers come out of the University of Alberta and now work their way up to the NHL. And I'm a firm believer that hockey does not get enough attention. It does not get the attention it deserves. It's like a hidden gem in our country because it's very good hockey and if that process was to come true i don't think those teams more specifically at the youth sport level are going to get the players that
3: they deserve i think you will see some of those top schools actually look at joining the ncaa I think you would see the University of Alberta as an NCAA one program down the road. We've seen out West Simon Fraser and football and hockey looking at doing that. I think you would see um, a, basically a two-tiered. You'd see the top teams in Canada join the NCAA and then the rest of the teams would, would form out uh, Canadian universities. So I, I don't know. I don't know if that's good or not. I love the CIS. I love the Alberta. I love Claire Drake. I don't know if I want that to go away, but I think that would maybe be something but certainly it would hurt and hamper if they don't uh, adapt. It will certainly hurt uh, university hockey, bar none. I I don't think that uh, is a big question. All right, let's get to the All-Star game now. And the Big Smoke was the host for this in Toronto. You had Buble and his Mushroom Press Conference. You had (laughs) Justin Bieber having to take a picture with seemingly every single player at center. I don't know if you saw that, but Bieber lined up for a shot with one guy and like... every guy's just kept coming in and coming in. Like he just wanted to go warm up and, but that's what he's there for. Uh, Kucherov was embarrassing during the skills competition. And I think the best thing to come out of this is less all-star games, more international play moving forward because they're going to swap in and out. I'm not one of those guys that hates the all-star game and blah, blah, blah. I don't mind guys playing shinny once a year to show off their skills, but there has to be more than an effort than Nikita Kucherov put in. Some people said it was a protest because Russia wasn't invited to the Four Nations. I don't care. Make your protest in front of a microphone. Don't make your protest in front of all those kids that should Showed up and are going to look at that and say, hey, if Kucherov can do that, why can't I? It's no different than when a coach starts yelling at a referee and then the player does it. Why? Because he saw his coach doing it. So I didn't like that part of it, but I loved a lot of the stuff about the All-Star game. I thought they, they did a good job of making it a little bit more competitive. Connor McDavid wins the million dollars. He was the guy that decided, let's make this more competitive. And he was competitive. So, I don't know. Those are my thoughts on the All-Star game. Again, I'm not a curmudgeon that hates it. uh, But I did hate what Kucherov did.
0: Yeah, that was not a good look for him, the Lightning, or the league. Um, I do think, however, that the NHL had the right amount of stars from their league, celebrities on the other side. When you talk about Buble, Bieber, McRae, uh, Will Arnett all yeah. being present. I think the viewership numbers were up just scrolling through Twitter over the last week when it comes to the game itself. Uh, the production of the f- draft on Thursday night was was not great. Um, <laughs> I, th- I thought the skills competition was good too, um, minus Nikita Kucherov and his, his effort. But the third point you have on there is the most intriguing one, and that's more international play. And there was a big announcement made about that as well. Um, but for the NHL, yeah, I don't hate the all-star game either um I obviously hate when the effort level is low but I think the NHL did a good job this year bringing back an old format that worked and I think they got some rewards when it comes to Toronto as well I mean love them or hate them it's a hockey city and the whole city shut down for this event um plus the stars from the NHL the celebrities on the other side I think they did a good job in growing the game but I want to hear your thoughts here on the more international play which is coming now uh next February
3: Yeah, I'm so excited. Finally, we're going to get to see Connor McDavid wearing uh, maple leaf for the first time since the World Junior Days uh, as best on best, um, not talking about uh, the World Championships but you're right, the NHL did a great job with their celebrities, I think they did an awesome job and and whether Buble was joking around or not, that went viral, like that that got the NHL <laughs> on talk shows in the United States and Toronto is the perfect spot for it, so you're right, Tate McRae uh, Will Arnett, I love I love uh, Smartless. it's one of the best podcasts out there, so they nailed it uh, with uh, celebrities. And it's not every day you can say the NHL, Nailed it with celebrities because obviously every other league has much bigger and better celebrities. But there's not many people bigger than Justin Bieber in the music industry. So they nailed that, and he's a hockey fan. As for the international play, I love it. Um, The Four Nations is a good start. Get back to a World Cup. The most important thing is that the best players are going to be at the Olympic Games. I know some people say the Olympic Games are should be uh, for amateur athletes, but if honestly, if if you don't think that Usain Bolt, if you think Usain Bolt is an amateur athlete, I've got some ice to sell you here in uh, in Edmonton because it just and there's there's the 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 line between amateur and professional is gone. Like track athletes get paid, NHL stars get paid. Some people have said make it a U twenty three. I just want the best players. You see the best pole vaulters. You see the best shot putters. You see the best sprinters. You see the best skiers, best hockey players at the Olympics. It took way too long to get back. I know, obviously, uh, the pandemic played a role in that. But for me, this is the best. My favorite hockey memory of all time is the 87 Canada Cup. uh, Gretzky to Lemieux. Uh, Lots of people are going to the Golden Goal. For Americans, it's the 96 World Cup. For a lot of people, it's 1972 but it's impossible not to have an international memory as a Canadian in the game of hockey, and it's about time uh, the NHL and and the IOC is letting uh, Canadians make those memories again.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, mine obviously is the 2010 uh, golden goal in Vancouver, and even my mom said it at the time, how often are the Olympics going to be in the country we live in, for one, and how often is that going to happen in the gold medal game? Uh, Not very to, to be quite frank, but you go back to it best on best. doesn't matter what sport you're doing. You know, are, are you going to send Dean Millard and Brandon Ewan to play against LeBron James in <laughs> basketball in the summer Olympics? Probably not. So then why are we not going to send the NHL players to go play against the other countries, NHL players? And same could be said for track or figure skating or swimming. You know, am I going to go compete against Michael Phillips? no, you know, I can't even put a figure skate on to go compete against Tessa Virtue and Scott Moore. You know, can I throw a curling rock as good as Kevin Martin? No. So best on best, doesn't matter what sport it is. Um, and, and I don't know why hockey took a step back from that, but I'm glad, just like you said, that it's back now. And just to go back to the cultural standpoint of it, and I think you'll agree with me, is, you know what, I might be an Oilers fan, you might be a Jets fan, so-and-so might be a Leafs fan, but for that two weeks, we are all team Canada fans. And I think it's the best thing ever. It brings a country together. It eliminates all the bad things that are going on in people's lives. And just like Dan said about the Eagles, when they were stressed at silent air, the Eagles were there out to go and maybe get a little stress off their chest and some camaraderie with the boys and hang out and be loose. Well, I think this provides that for a lot of people that can't play the game. They get to go hang out Mm -hmm. at a friend's house, go to a bar, have a beer, watch the game. And regardless of how well they do, I think there's a bigger, important standpoint to it than just Sidney Crosby scoring the game winning goal which is a great thing in itself and sit please do that again <laughs> but I think it's it's much more than just the game of hockey
3: and you know what? It's transformed players. Mario Lemieux became a better player when he played with Wayne Gretzky in international play. Connor McDavid will become a better player by playing with Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon, uh, in international play. And, and to talk about, it's a, it's a terrific point, uh, from your mother is three times in my lifetime, the Olympics have been held in my country. One, I was one years old for Montreal, 88, I, I didn't do my homework, so I didn't get to go to the Olympics. I was supposed to go with my junior high school band, and I didn't practice enough, so they didn't take me, so I missed out on that, and then Vancouver, so once in your lifetime, three times in my lifetime, one, I was one years old, and who knows when it will ever uh, come back in our lifetime, so it is a, uh, a terrific point in that regard, and Now we get to our final story, and if you've been following along in the hockey world, it's not hard to figure out why and what our top story is, and you've lived it, man. I'll let you take over on this story and what this ride has been and what last Friday was like.
0: Yeah, what a ride it's been over the last two weeks. Um, We could be a little bit more transparent with it now as opposed to last week where we didn't know, to be quite frank, and now we kind of know uh, the answers and how things transpired, but this started a couple weeks ago when the Saints were on a road trip down south. Uh, we were supposed to play Okotoks on Saturday night. We finished up a game in Canmore on the Friday. Um, the news got leaked at the five teams on your screen, including Sherwood Parks, Bruce Grove, Okotoks, Brooks, and Black Falls. we going to join the BCHL next season. That's September of 2024. Why did the BCHL put this out? I think was the biggest question to a lot of people and their answer was very simple. Transparency. They knew it was out. They felt an obligation that they had to tell their fans, stakeholders, supporters, the, the list goes on and on, what their plans were. Um, and I think that that right there speaks a lot to what the league stands for, is as simple as transparency. Um, following days later, uh, the Spruce Grove Saints, along with the other teams on the screen, had their games canceled when they were playing against teams that were not leaving the league to join BC and that one again still doesn't make sense to a lot of us how they were still allowed to play against each other, but not against the other side, so to speak the teams that were not leaving. Uh, another question that was asked was, you know, were the Alberta teams caught off guard by the repercussions from their former league? And I think the short answer is they weren't surprised that there was a negative reaction, but they were surprised that their games were going to be canceled. I think they thought they were in good standing and that they should have been able to proceed with the season as scheduled. Heck, they committed to the season back in May of last year when they signed their franchise agreement for the 2023-24 season, which unfortunately had to come to an end because of the simple fact that the players weren't allowed to play. So the BCHL, like Dan says in his interview, was a problem-solving, proactive league. They took a good approach to it. They said, OK, it was us that put the news out. How can we help? How can we get the athletes back on the ice? Which for everybody involved has to be the most important thing. Um, they came together. They were allowed and able to put all five teams under the BCHL infrastructure when it comes to insurance, officiating, uh, statistical analysis, uh, websites, broadcasting, et cetera. And of course uh, the Alberta team still had their ice that they had previously booked for all of the games that they were supposed to play in the rest of their previous league season. So they utilized their ice time. They got a little bit more. They scheduled some satellite games and they now have a 20 game schedule, 19 left for the Spruce Grove Saints after last weekend. And then once that is done, there'll be a four and five play in series which will determine the final spot in the playoffs. And then one will play four, two will play three, and so on and so forth. The winner of Alberta will then go on to play the winner of BC, which I think is wonderful for everybody involved. It gives a little sneak peek as to what the competition could look for uh, next year. Um, And obviously, Dino, this is a big benefit to BC. You got well-established teams in communities. Um, that have been there for decades and decades. And these programs already attract high-end players, and just to move them and take them into a league that's already doing the same thing is critical for the BCHL. I think it helps them in a world of ways. And on the other side of it too, how does this move benefit Alberta teams and the teams that did make the jump? Well, the BCHL is the biggest producer and developer of NCAA Division I players in Canada and already has more Division I committed players in their one league than all of the other Canadian Junior Leagues combined. And now that these teams don't have to operate under the Hockey Canada restrictions and system, they're no longer restrained by a lot of restrictions. So I think it makes sense for the Alberta teams, just like it does for the BCHL as a league to add these teams and a couple boogeyman stories that we can get out of the way right now. Uh, The BCHL is not actively recruiting teams, BCHL was approached by Alberta teams to make this happen. Granted, it was for next season and just unfortunately came true now on the other league standpoint for this year. But fortunately for the Alberta teams for this year, um, they don't know what the roster regulations are going to look like yet. They don't know what the division uh, looks like just yet. And BC is not, at this time at least, adding any more teams from Alberta. So maybe that puts a little bit of uh, education per se uh, in people's minds from hearing the story from where it took place a couple of weeks ago to where it is today. Um, but going back to the first top topic off the podcast today was getting the players back on the ice. And it was such a rejuvenated, exciting, well-played hockey game on Friday. I think everybody made the right choice. And I think that's going to continue here for the rest of the season.
3: Well, and I think uh, people are going to be amazed. Um, you know, the, the saints, are the same team uh, that they were pretty much uh, before, but a renewed energy and and getting back on the ice has really given them a boost. And I think once you give the Alberta teams the same amount of time that the BC teams have had to recruit over an off-season, you are going to see such incredible hockey next year. I love the, the Western Hockey League. The hockey that you're going to see... Uh, Grant Fure Arena and the new arena uh, out in Sherwood Park, Black Falls, uh, all around Alberta is going to rival the Western Hockey League in the next few years. It might not happen right away, but the BCHL is already so much better this year than it has been in the past, and you are going to see another level of hockey. If you've gone to the uh, Saints games in the past, Wait until you see them at least next year, the rest of this season, because the BCHL is just, it's on a different level. And the recruitment that allows, that this allows now, that doesn't handcuff the Saints is going to increase the level of hockey in this province massively. And and that's the thing I'm looking at is I cannot wait. Like, it's funny. I'll do like a U14 at the JPHL and then go to the Saints. And it's so fast, the difference, obviously. Well, now... This is going to be even a step up. Uh, I, I can't wait to see how good the caliber of hockey is going to be.
0: Yeah, me too. And the joke always was amongst broadcasters when we played against Okatoks or Brooks or these teams was, why can't we do this more than four times a year this year? Before that, it was one or two times minus what would potentially be a playoff matchup. And now that's come true. I and mean, it's not only the four other teams in Alberta, you got teams like Penticton, Trail, Salmon Arm, Vernon all really good hockey teams that the Spruce Grove Saints have never seen yet, but like you said, are to the caliber of a Brooks Bandit team or an Okotoks Oilers team. And you're not going to see that day in and day out, uh, which is going to provide so much more entertainment uh, for the fans, no matter if the games are here in Spruce Grove at the Grand Fear, the new Civic Center, or in our province uh, to our left. It's going to be so exciting, I think, for everybody to go out there too and Check out the new facilities and meet some new people and really get a different take on the junior hockey route and how they feel hockey uh, should progress in uh, their league and and their province, which is now expanded out to Alberta uh, as well. Uh, Spruce Grove back in action this Friday. They're in Okotoks. They have a couple road games next week against Sherwood Park and Blackfold. As they're back home on Feb 24th when they will host the Okotoks Oilers in their first home game against Okotoks as members of the BCHL. But there's another game going on this weekend, too. That's really exciting, and that is the Concordia Thunder ACAC game at Silent Ice Center. It's a 245 puck drop on Saturday. Uh, it'll be lots of fun. They're playing Briarcrest. University who was actually first in the division and that might come as a bit of a shock to some people but uh, even talking with former Spruce Grove St. Brophy Dunn over the weekend who plays at Nate who is right behind Briarcrest he said man we're gonna have a tough time catching them they are good uh, and so is Concordia so it should be a wicked game at the Silent Ice Center this Saturday if you're not doing anything might as well come check out the building check out some good action uh, as those two teams go toe-to-toe uh, this weekend and Dan's going to touch on it some more, but uh, there's a kind of the BCHL angle as well from a Spruce Grove Saint perspective as to how everything transpired. But again, it's just a pleasure to have the guys back out on the ice playing hockey and doing what they love.
3: All right. So there's a recap of our top five stories in hockey this week. The OPG discovery, uh, a recap of the JPHL, by the way, JPHL in action this weekend. Well, Wednesday night, there's a special game in Coquitlam. It's a makeup game between Langley and Coquitlam at the train station where the express play. Uh, it's going to be a mini silent ice uh, atmosphere. Cause they're going to have the video board going good production. So looking forward to seeing that. Uh, uh, well, I guess th- that, that game was last night because we're, this show is coming out on Thursday, so uh, I can't wait to watch that as I get in my time machine. Uh, the JPHL, though, will be in Calgary uh, starting on Thursday evening right through till Sunday and also in Abbotsford this week uh, starting on Friday and going through to Sunday. And, of course, all of those games can be watched at com. We touched on the NCAA CHL potential changes, the NHL All-Star game, and, of course, the big news is that the BCHL has welcomed five new teams. uh, And that is our top five stories in hockey. But, Lots still to come on this show here today. We're going to chat with Dan Lekelt, Executive Director of Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment, and get a lot of history as well. And we're going to take a short trip back in time right now and take a look back at the weekend that was in the JPHL. And just keep in mind, this is just from one weekend. Don't think this is a season-long highlight package because it was so good. 56 games combined into a 10-minute Plays of the Week package, and then we will be joined by Dan LaKelt on the other side of that. This is Game Changers on Silent Ice TV. And now Pugh intercepts, walks in, has some space. He doesn't need much on the back end. Oh, wow, Liam Pugh, are you kidding me? Just adding to the legend, and that goal is powered by Pew.
2: Back up to Rouse, back down to Lucas. From the hash mark, he surveys, takes a step in. What a shot! Asher Lucas, short side from just outside the dot. Beats Jack Fairhead high to the glove side. Back bar and out. A psychological war Clinton Rogers a breakaway Robbed By the Open my eyes I see your disguise I will never see you the same I know how to win Before you begin I'll shoot you Before you take aim <laughs> no, he was a killer First time that I saw him
1: Here he walks in, big save by Ed. I
0: keep him forever, Line where Rear holds in.
3: Rear pass, what a save!
2: Cohen Weber slides across, selling out.
3: Right wing sign as a man working in front.
2: There's a pass. What a save getting across was Clank.
3: Talk about All-Star Weekend here and more. And Bill Markle picks it up, comes out to the right side, picking up speed as he comes in. Forehand score!
0: Intercepted. Here come the Rockies down the quick backdoor pass. They score the future screw stroke St. Adam Peron makes no mistake on the back door.
2: Sheffer walking across. Bourgeois shoots and he scores!
0: Back pass interrupted briefly now. Walters walks, fires, and now one caught the post. Rebound came out, and what a stop made by Weimer as he came from right to left
3: and absolutely robbed Okanagan. AJ Mount brings it in with Fleming. Fleming to Irvine in front, Kotai. Oh, wow, what a goal from Irvin as he undresses Kotai and puts it away backhand style.
0: to knock it
2: you I collapse, am spilling these rats long as you fill them to the day that I drop. You'll never say that I'm not
0: killing them. You can't watch the middle fire in shot. Tipped a Tipped towards the goal, score! Rebound, team out in front, hitting the last shots with head.
2: and Payne.
3: Hugh takes that away and short-handed. Hugh busting down the right side, fires and scores for number four. Liam Pugh,
2: short-handed. Trip dropped back, and that one's intercepted. Here's a chance over for Rodriguez, one-on-one shooting. What a goal! Beautiful finish by Luke Rodriguez. I'm the bad
3: guy, make your mama sad. Type. Look at him just bowling over the man in the corner. Now he sets up Preston! I'm the bad guy. Duh. Separate dire out in front, they score! Landon Pew snaps it home. Right side, Gorman shooting that one safe. Rebound in front. Great save, Craig. Fantastic stop there. Trying to protect a one goal lead here as Liam Pugh winds it up from his own end. Has four already. Gets past one guy. Sends it out front. And they score to tie the game. Pugh with a beautiful setup. And the finish easily put away by Gordon. So you're
2: so it really rough guy, just can't get enough guy, just always so puff guy. I'm that bad type, make your mama sad type, make your girlfriend mad type, my seduce your dad type. I'm the bad guy. Magarel walking in, shoots great save, Lavelle. Drop me off the grandpa joe's. I kicked and screamed, so please.
3: carries it in behind, loves the Hey Baby, ooh ah song, and that's his goal song, and that'll be playing in his head. Hey Baby! Keith makes it 7-6 Langley. Dips it off the wall. Forrester brings it in over the blue line with Preston. Shot comes to Forrester, and they send it out in front. Oh, wow, what a play. And the tap-in for LaRocque.
1: From the way that I've been tries to move over from
2: who sends it down the right but side Lord In front, here's Elaine, shooting! barred out. he scores! Beautiful goal for Luke Decay oh, What a snipe
3: Here comes Nickel, I it flying through I Nickel with an opportunity Oh, puts it! off the goal post, are you kidding me? and Nickel using up some frequent flyer miles as he goes coast to coast and far in for the beauty. Now Pugh will bring it up high, start his walk down in towards the net, rips the shot and just missed high on the club side. He had the corner. He's got to adjust the sights a little bit and he walks in again and that's where he adjusts the sights and that's what superstars do. He missed by an inch the first time, recalibrates, and powered by few Langley's on the board. Here come the athletics. Scott,
2: gonna get delayed in tight. They score. Roll the highlight reel. How's the beauty? Karen Lace.
0: Moves that one up for Skudiak.
2: moving to the neutral zone. Over the right side, cutting in. Mason Skudiak with speed. Shoots! What a goal! Mason Sakudia, beautiful goal. Say say I come and I go. Tell me all the ways you'll need me. I'm not here for long. Catch me or I go, Hootini, I come and I go. Prove you got the right to please me, everybody knows. Catch me or I go
3: hoot be. Overtime is always about strategy. Here's Gotcha busting around. Lucas goche in and husband, he's go! Second assist, Eventon looking for more and what a save from the wrench. Are you kidding me on Forrester? What a terrific glove save as the wrench locks it down. Well, it is our extreme pleasure to have Executive Director of Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment, Dan LaKelt, joining us. And, uh, you know, Dan, uh, I've, I've been able to, to to get to know you guys in this company uh, a little bit since uh, starting as a freelancer last October. The one thing that I have noticed is the love of the game of hockey uh, from everybody uh, within this company. And, and I guess it starts at the top, but where does it start for you? Uh, where does the LaKelt love of the game of hockey stem from?
1: Uh, I think I was, you know, I was fortunate enough to make the, the Concordia Thunder team. Um, it was 1992. We're going back a long ways. Uh, I was 17 years old for the first semester there, and it was uh, first year of the program during the ACAC. And uh, you know, it was, you know, we had we had a tough year, uh, wins and losses side, but uh, one of the best years of, of my life, and uh, made a lot of great friends through that year, and. My whole plan was just to play there one year, then then uh, go to, go to uh, transfer to U of A. But I uh, had, had a great year, um, a lot of success for, for a young guy. And um, I ended up uh, staying another couple of years. So I played three years at Concordia um, during that time. And like I guess I made a lot of great friends and great experiences. And, and that was the, you know, kind of the driver of, of uh, my first love for the game. I then uh it was kind of interesting. I was twenty years old, I finished and and I was wondering what I was gonna do. I'm like, how can I be washed up at twenty years old? And uh so I ended up uh playing I got a call to play uh for the Millet Thunder at Christmas time and uh they lost one of their guys, went pro and I finished uh finished that year up and um and had a great time with with the guys at Millet. I went back the year after playing playing senior hockey, and it was uh, yeah, it was a total blast. Lo- Love the game. And uh, during that time, we like we had a really good team. We finished first. The Stony Plain Eagles were actually finished second in the league. And uh, but we we had a very very tough team. I believe uh, we were. Um, I was fifth on the team in penalty minutes, and I had about 117 minutes in 2020 20 games and i was fifth and uh <laughs> so needless to say when we got to playoffs the the eagles kind of uh got the best of us due to uh some undisciplined uh play in that and uh kind of what, what actually happened was story point eagles were going to um uh, river uh for allen cup and they were able to bring bring a goalie in and uh from another uh, organization and my brother happened to be playing with us and, and with me and Millet. And so the Stony Plain Eagles brought my brother as, a, as an affiliate goalie for the Allen Cup. And they so he took the bus, I think it was about a 20-hour bus ride each way to Powell, get to Powell River from, from Stony Plain. And Mark Cronowitz uh, worked on my brother for about 40 hours uh, trying to convince Lindsay to, and myself to come play for the Stony Plain Eagles a year after and because uh, he was tired of playing against me apparently so so that was a kind of the transition to stony Plain and how that happened and uh played there a lot of years 16 years of senior hockey and uh in between after that next first year's playing Plain, i went and played pro hockey in uh utica new york and uh, had my cup of coffee there and lasted the whole year which is pretty you know and pretty impressive actually to be honest with you when you see how many people, uh, players, uh, they have a week on the weekly contracts that they go through, we had 63 different uh, players on our team that year. And uh, Dave the Hammer Schultz is my coach, and had a total blast. And uh, after that year, I came back to reality and uh, started silent or started working full time at Silent Air and and uh, my brother and uh, growing the family business.
0: It's an impressive story for sure. From top to bottom. Uh, you mentioned all the years with stony plane and the Eagles, I would imagine tons of relationships cultivated there that still exist today, uh, with some of your best friends, but circling back to Concordia now that you're in the position to give back to the program that gave you so much, just what's that like for you? And then maybe segue into the big event this Saturday at your building into which uh, Concordia is going to take the ice
1: yeah it's uh it's been one of those programs that uh i think you know i, I wish in hindsight would, would have maybe even even appreciate it more than actually realized i was in, in in you know i did appreciate it had to have the best time um but i wish you know it's that almost like that surreal moment of oh man this is this is really really good um you know it helped, helped uh helped in our career and uh, in, you know, kind of getting on the hockey side and 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 friendship side. And, and you know, as we transitioned to Stony Plain Eagles, we were growing our business. We had a lot of stress, stress in our business as we grew it. And uh, Stony Plain Eagles were kind of our outlet. Um, and and we had a lot of our Concordia uh, alumni uh, came and played in Stony Plain. So we have that connection as well. Um, you know, Jim McLean did a lot a lot for the for the program um, through the years and you know I think it's it's what one of these programs that kind of gets overlooked um, compared to you know the Nates and states of, of the world and uh, you know they have the opportunity to be a really good program and you know I want to help and kind of promote the organization to have success and 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 hope that the players, have as much fun as as I did and uh, can, can grow and contribute uh, to, you know, to society. And, um, you know, and that's, you know, kind of what our goal is, is giving back is, you know, helping, helping the the young student athletes uh, be successful and have opportunities, uh, you know, just like we had.
0: And then a big game here coming up on Saturday at your brand new building in Silent Ice Center where Concordia has taken on Briarcrest. I know this has been in the works for quite some time, but. For you now to look back and see a program that you played for so many years ago, get to go play on an ice surface that you built as part of a legacy project, it's got to be a pretty proud moment to see that team come and play
1: at Silent Ice Center this Saturday. Yeah, 100%. It kind of actually started, uh, uh, yeah, but, but it was the last coach, Joey Bouchard, brought me into uh, to the Concordia. Uh, <clears throat> I gave a presentation to the players, and that kind of – uh, kind of spawned the resurgence of my interest in, in the program. And we this is pre-building. pre, pre uh, building the, uh, It was just in the ma- in planning in the making there. And I actually talked to them about, you know, potentially hosting them as as a tenant or prime tenant, uh, where they practice it and, and play their games. Um, hasn't come to fruition and and that's fine. We, you know, our ice time is very limited there as it is. But, uh, you know, I think have the opportunity to provide the players with, you know, uh, a great experience, um, you know, great great arena, you know, having having the replays going and and the show that uh, our Four Vengeance team uh, will put on, I think, will be pretty special for them and, and for the Briar Crest players.
3: I think it's going to be absolutely uh, fantastic. And, and for them, uh, every person I've uh, witnessed walk into that building has been wowed. I go back to the Winter Championship where Gene Principe walked in and just stared at uh the the building in admiration and you know the players are going to get that when they walk in as well i had the opportunity to walk around that building with the architect and learn so much more about why so many things went in there it was such a pleasure but even when you walk in there to this day uh such a a proud feeling for for you and your family to have this arena and this facility which i call the jewel of the west
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) thanks dean yeah it's uh it's it's pretty awesome and uh you know it was, it was one of those things where it, you know you know we we're fortunate enough to uh you know um move our company on and and have the resources to be able to do a project like this and uh you know we we call it a legacy project because it's, it's one of those things that will be you know it's a hundred year building it's built very well it's concrete um want to have you know the community enjoy it um for for many years to come even even after i'm long gone so that's important important to me and i, I think it's it's pretty special seeing you know the, the young players um out there practicing on the weekends playing hard and and having to enjoy a facility like this but it's actually to be honest with you it's one of these things where even after we've built up built the the uh event center is seeing the amount of adult leagues and and males and females adults playing playing hockey to me has actually been you know one of the surprising things to me of of what i think is pretty cool and giving back to community and uh you know just you know helping you know people with mental health and and getting out there having some exercise and and having some fun and laughs and and then of course getting that physical act adding the physical activities in and 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 helping you know people manage you know their health and i think it's great and there's uh lots of opportunity for you know just you know other events we're looking at hosting here in the future of other people, other members of the community are, are going to uh, hope to enjoy it than, than just uh, the hockey players themselves.
0: Yeah, so cool to walk into that building and see everything. And you mentioned Four Vengeance and just the toys that we have at our disposal to make it a cool show each and every night. I think our first crack at it was the JPHL Winter Championships, where we got to take everything up to the biggest scale we could. And even the Saints game a couple of weeks prior, Uh, in late november too but just the tip of the iceberg i think as to what is going to go down in that building over time now that you know maybe you get outside hockey a little bit and it's a concert or a trade show or a graduation um, but just really looking forward to seeing how many possibilities uh with that building that we could do Uh, but dan it's not only about that building there's several other entities that you're a part of now and you've helped shape them from where they were back in the day with with nothing or you started them to where they are today and full force and a driving force in hockey across Western Canada from the Seattle Thunderbirds to the Spruce Grove Saints. Obviously, the Stony Plain Eagles was the starting ground for a lot of us, including myself as just a 14-year-old volunteer PA announcer and DJ that has now morphed into a bigger role. Uh, but silent rides, bus charters for vengeance media. I mean, the list kind of goes on and on for you to take a look back and see the growth of silent ice sports entertainment. What does that really mean for you from all the way back in 2017 until here today in early 2024?
1: Yeah, I think it's been, been really cool to be able to have the opportunity to, to grow something that, you know, my brother and I have that passion for. And, you know, obviously as you mentioned, uh, our, 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 team members within the company and their passion for sport and, uh, events. And, and I think, uh, you know, just being able to have the resources and to, you know, dedicate and, and, and grow, I think is, is one of the things that, uh, we really appreciate, you know, we, you know, my, my parents and say, like, why are you involved in so many things you don't need to be. And I blame the fact that, uh, you know, we're, you know, I blame the fact it's it's their fault that, uh, they started a small business and they're growers and, uh, their ads, my ancestors were, you know, the farmers that came over and they grew something. And so I think it's, you know, just right in our DNA of, of, you know, growing and, and, uh, you know, just, and, you know, we love seeing people succeed and, and, uh, you know, you see in our, in our afternoon shinny games, uh, you know, the camaraderie and, and, uh, you know, passion and, and competitiveness within our group, and it's uh, pretty special, and uh, it's, uh, you know, favorite favorite time of the week for sure for, for, for me, and I know uh, you guys as well when you're out there.
3: Yeah, it's... it's I love it. I, I always say when I explain to people, I'm like, you just watch the movie Strange Brew, that alarm goes off, everybody runs down to the rink. It's kind of what I, I expect, but it really is so much fun to be able to, uh, you know, play hockey at, at the workplace, and, and, and I feel the whole company feels like one big dressing room. Uh, You know, you have fun with guys, you chirp with guys. Maybe a guy gets on your nerves like a hockey team, but you you deal with it and you move on. It really does feel like a hockey team, which kind of takes me back to, uh, I want to ask about how independent hockey, how you guys got involved. Uh, even before the HSL, there was a bit of a, a touring team back in 2017. So to see the growth of independent hockey, just like the growth of your company, has to be a pleasing feeling. But maybe take us back to the beginning in that first year of being just a kind of a traveling team.
1: Yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. Um, you know, uh, it was it kind of started on the 2007 Junior Eagles team. Uh, spring team and uh, they are one of the top uh, probably top three teams in Western Canada there and um, you know they always had great experiences around great programs and and the consensus around the, at the end of the spring season was why can't we do this all year like everyone goes through goes through the hockey season with whatever coaching might be given um, whatever team the kids make, whatever um, you know, division or, or whatever it is are told to play in and everyone just kind of goes through the motions through that year just to get to spring hockey because spring hockey is where it's at so that was a premise uh, behind kind of where we started and you know on, on my side I had a daughter that was uh, you know I coached a girls team uh, that was very successful for two seasons and we'd smoke everybody and uh, politics started happening they started amalgamating uh, you know what my program with another program and it wasn't looking good good for you know what what I built uh, what I'd built uh, with my girls program uh, which was disappointing and I know it was for, for a lot of other uh, families uh, when I did leave but um, you know we we decided to utilize that spring program model through the winter and uh We had, uh, you know, a lot more practices. We had, you know, a lot more, you know, our practice were hour and a half long, multiple times a week and just worked on skills and skating. And, you know, then we, you know, we were able to go and play some independent hockey down in Minnesota. We did two trips down there. We did two trips down to Ontario. We did a trip to Arizona and managed to find uh, a couple kind of spring teams that would play us uh, in some exhibition games. you know, uh, later in the spring. So anyways, that was the, where it was born and, you know, we had a great time, great, uh, uh, great experience, and that's how it stemmed. And, uh, you know, from, from that year, for that one year, which was at inauguration moment, um, you know, we went to nine teams in two divisions a year after, and uh, I think we went to 32, 54, 8305 within in that fast so and now i believe uh with the jphl hsl combination are about 137 teams combined in independent hockey mostly around uh, alberta nbc with uh with a few exceptions in saskatchewan um it's uh you know seeing seeing the skill level of, of the kids um the the improvement um that they receive during the year you know we uh, our team does a really good job of, uh, you know, keeping uh, the programs accountable, making sure they've got uh, the proper uh, practice ratios, the proper skills instructors. And, uh, and in all, we, we try to do it at a, at a very cost-conscious uh, uh, methodology here. You know, uh, you know one of our beliefs, you know, and what part of the reason why we are going down this path of independent hockey is uh, we believe the costs have gotten out of hand. For a lot of families, and it's making the sport inaccessible to to a lot of families, and and we are going to be losing if we haven't lost a lot of great athletes already to to other sports. Um, so that's why we, you know, we really we driver model. You love seeing kids be successful and and develop, and you know, we see it, see it in the younger groups where, you know, most of the the brick uh, age groups are. In the, uh, you know, we're running, you know, 17, 18 out of the 20 kids are all come from our league, which is pretty special. And, uh, you know, and as you see the JPHL uh, uh, keep growing and getting stronger and, and the uh, skill level is keeps getting better every weekend. It's, it's impressive to see and uh, we love what we're doing. Uh, we think we're doing great for the game. There are some naysayers, but, uh, you know, we're, we do what we do. And, you uh, We think that that hockey, you know, being inclusive isn't just uh, a key key word that other organizations, uh, national organizations, will use. That we're inclusive, we actually are inclusive. Um, We don't discriminate like uh, the other um, organizations uh, do. Um, But you know, that's on them. Uh, They have their own issues they're dealing with, and uh, you know, we just you know, we try to keep our nose clean and. you know, just do what's right, right for for our uh, essentially our, our clients or our customers and we want to do a good job for them.
0: Well said. And it's funny you mentioned the uh, winter hockey versus spring hockey because that was always the joke with my age group growing up is why do we do this for six, seven months and then go do the real thing for three months? And it's so rewarding to see that you guys have taken that and you've done it and you've done such a good job with it and brought it to where it is today. You mentioned the JPHL and its inaugural season last year, its sophomore campaign this year. But the other side of it now too is the Spruce Grove Saints are now part of the independent stream as well. As they've officially become members of the bchl as of last week which is now going to open up so many more doors for not only the athletes but the coaches the referees have been uh very surprising to me too even scott fulmer one of our referee and chiefs came out of retirement last friday to lines the spruce grove saint sherwood park crusaders game but more and more refs now uh, making the jump to the independent side as they now have a clear fast track to junior hockey because the bchl is now prevalent in alberta but going through that the last two weeks or so and getting to it to where it is today, great job to yourself and Lindsay for making that happen. A true pioneer in Western Canadian junior hockey. But just take us through the whole process in your own words and to how everything came about from about two weeks ago to today and now morphing into next season where Spruce Grove, along with the four other AB teams, are full members of the BCHL.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure how much detail I'm going to get into uh, exactly, but uh, you know, it's um, you, uh, you know what, what I can tell you is uh, the other league, the old league. Uh, there was uh, discussions at the uh, semiannual meeting in regards to staying status quo, um, certain teams moving on into uh, an amalgamation with the BCHL and other discussions of the whole league moving as independent. Um, You know, at the the end of the day, um, there was some internal conversations had committee formed and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we had uh, had some choices that were presented to us. Um, You know, there were rumors were uh, that we were involved early on and had uh, non disclosures sign uh, that's absolutely false and uh, it was until um, late December when, when we actually did sign our first non-disclosure. So, um, you know, rumors will be rumors. Um, you heard it here first. And uh, from, from that point in time, um, you know, there was discussions uh, about what it would look like. You know, one of our fears was um, if there's two or three other teams leaving for sure, what does that look like for the rest of the league, and what does that look like for our organization, the of Saints, and and as far as the value goes, and and uh, you know we already lost uh, you know two two high end players to the BC League, um, you know Morgan Brady earlier in the year. So um, what does that mean? And uh, you know we 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 our options, and we thought there was a lot of risk on what. That would actually mean if other teams are leaving, regardless whether we go or not, and uh, you know we have, we made the choice. Uh, unfortunately, it was leaked out uh, within minutes of, of their of their vote that that was uh, basically it was a non-binding uh, MOU. Uh, that was just it was just basically a memorandum of understanding, and uh, from that point in time. Uh, you no, know, to be honest with you, I was actually surprised. Um, I'd never heard from uh, the Commissioner of the old league. Uh, always had a great relationship for seven years with him. And uh, yeah, to this day, I haven't heard him saying, Hey, let's sit down. Let's talk. Let's can we work through this? Can we? What can we do? Never, never heard a word. Um, you know, the same same goes with Rob Scaloruk and Jeff Saget, our governor. And so anyways, at the end of the day, not really sure, uh, you know, what, what their true intentions were of, you know, trying to keep our players from playing. And, uh, the beauty of, of independent hockey is, um, you know, is being agile, being flexible, adapting to challenges and, uh, problem solving, you know, and we had a problem that needed to be solved. Um, we have no red tape and, and we made things happen. So the other day, uh, it's going to be exciting the rest of the year here, and um, you know, lot, lots of great things happening in that league. Um, so, anyways, it's going to be exciting, uh, new challenges, new opportunities, and uh, yeah, wish wish the best to to everybody involved.
3: Uh, we're certainly looking forward to it. Uh, I know Brandon uh, had a chance to f- call the first game in the BCHL the other day. What an exciting moment that was to see that first goal. Uh, and we appreciate uh, getting it straight uh, fr- from your mouth. And, and, you know, a lot of the rumors that were even going back to the silent ice center being built and all the rumors that were going on. So it's nice to be able to finally be able to say, hey, this is what actually happened f- from our point of view and to be able to get that out there and and for, everything, uh, for For you and and Lindsay uh, that have provided for all of us, Uh, we're all grateful. We all love it. And uh, I know uh, it's been, I can just speak for myself. It's been a heck of a fun journey uh, being a part of this and be able to do this show with Brandon. So Dan, thanks very much uh, for joining us on the show. Ewa, you got any last uh, words for uh, Dan? Well said,
0: Dan. Appreciate it and echo everything Dean said. It's going to be a fun future here in independent hockey and even more so in Spruce Grove with another new building on the horizon. Looking forward to everything that's coming down the pipe and looking forward to the vertically integrated development model really taking off here from, what, age 10, 9, all the way up now to 40 if you want to play for the Stony Plain <laughs> Eagles. So <laughs> it's definitely there if you want it, but appreciate yeah. the time and thank you very much for doing
1: this. Yeah, looking forward to sniping you guys next shinny game. Thank you.
3: Well, that was certainly a thrill to uh, get a chance to talk with uh, Dan Lekelt, And uh, once again, uh, there is the venue, Silent Ice Centre, for this game, Concordia, Briarcrest, Saturday, 2.45. Uh, It's going to be awesome. And, of course, the Four Vengeance team uh, will be all over it at that beautiful building uh, that everybody who gets to play there should feel extremely lucky and fortunate. I know I am uh, getting to work there and the odd time we get to get out on the ice. But uh, what a refreshing conversation to hear it straight uh, from Dan LaKelt about the things that they they have done and what they're working on now. We know it's uh, every time it seems we come into the office, there's something new, which is exciting for us because it means that we're never going to sit back and say, ah, we're done, right? We're always going to be pushing the needle forward.
0: Yeah, it's such a refreshing conversation, like you said, just his humbleness and where he came from and just the work ethic that was instilled with his parents, his grandparents, and how he's taken everything to non-existent, inventing it, and all the way to where it is today. It's a truly impressive uh, staircase or ladder that he's climbed with Lindsay uh, to get everybody to where they are today, not only for for vengeance, but for all the other properties in Seattle, Spruce Grove, Stony Plain, Silent Rides, the referee academy, uh, the list goes on and on. So uh, just refreshing is a great adjective to describe having him on to get the full story uh, for everything, including uh, BC, the Concordia game, uh, his level of silent ice and what it's been, what it's got to and what it's going to look like uh, for the future. Uh, just a, a great, a great human being to have on the show. So, thanks, Dan, once again. Really appreciate it, and I hope the viewers at home uh, enjoyed his honesty towards everything that he talked about.
3: All right, that's it for us. Uh, you'll be busy with the Saints. I'll be busy with the JPHL this weekend. Uh, why don't as we end the show, let's take a look back at the very first BCHL game for the Spruce Grove Saints. You got to call it. Let's take a look back at some of that action as we go. For Brandon Ewan Cheshin, the president of For Vengeance Media. My name is Dean Millard. We'll see you at the rink. Thanks very much for joining us. <laughs> As we're underway in the first game ever for the
0: Spruce Grove Saints in the BCHL. Glad you're with us on the Saints Radio Network and on Flow Sports. Connor jingling his own zone, lost it. Up top the puck comes and a great stop made by Eric Roost. A lot of other members of the Spruce Grove Saints tonight, only three cages slash bubbles. A game, had a goal scored by a Dawson, assisted by two Dawsons. That's incredible. <laughs> Kirkpatrick in front, Mater the stuff attempt knocked down by Roost. Puck rimmed around, Ring Lord. We'll throw it back to Sundar. Sundar over to Mater, look at split to the... D. Mater walks in! He scores! The captain with his 96th junior point has the Saints first in the B.C.A. Challenge 1-0.
2: What a beauty from Mater, what a way to start the party! Sundar kind of freezes everybody with a full head of steam coming right up the middle of the ice, and then he puts a rocket pass right on the tape of Mader. Mader goes outside, inside, beats a couple guys,
0: jangle. Bruce Grove, Carson Breezon on with control. He'll rip down low. Breeze on backdoor attempt, puck available. Roost is down. They scramble at it. Cliff Murner. As now Grayson Niehaus busts out to neutral, cross ice past Miller, fed at middle, Johnstone back to Miller, now Niehaus fires, and the right toe stop made by Roos. A great Sorry, McNelly, he'll launch it in. McNelly in the far corner, banging bodies with power two big boys going at it, corner with down low, it in front, McNelly down, Babish the shot, and what a stop made by Eric Roos. Back over to Wills. Wells looking to go high, slot duck, back to Wales around the circle. He'll walk, fire, and the glove stop made by DeCook. Rebound, quickly swatted aside by Ryan DeCook. Circle that one. Lang lost it down to Go spinning, firing, he scores! Tough turnover down low, and Luke Lisko, the Ferris State commit, capitalizes, and he's tied the game at one here early in the second. Lisko provides the four-check pressure in the corner, and then he ends up back on it down low. Hale Duck able to get control, he'll feed Dominic Payne knocked down low by the tall Daniel North, he'll fire and the blocker stop just made. Went oh high, Ruptash looking to go back to Lang, picked out by Rengor, he'll toss it weak side. Price walking in a quick shot, that stop made by the Cook and if he wanted that. Breeze on again. Switching spots with house Freeze on, walking in. Down low near side, Kirkpatrick in front back door! What a stop by Roost! Puck is available! In the crease, they bang away! Where is it? Johnstone taken down! Roost has got the puck! Devane north, top of the zone over to Sundar. Sundar, cross ice, on walking, firing, crazed iron at the line, on once again, left side, north, north, down low, Maynard looking to stuff it home, Roost the denial point, Adam Lang, he'll go cross ice in stride for Ashton McNally, he'll walk in, McNally the shot stopped by Eric Roost, Ringor, Ringor cross ice feed, Crusaders re-enter, up top long shot, shaft stop made by the cook-off sharp, hey, Reisler, Sundar through it middle, Balmung off the blue line, fires Rooster to stop, it's loose, they score! Steven Kirkpatrick able to just poke that one over the line. He's got his first in the BCHL, and the Saints retake the lead is two to one. Kind of a chance, out of
2: nowhere, Baumung was the man who took the original shot, and then that rebound just kind of squirted out. Not sure how far this one made it across the line, but either way, Kirkpatrick, there's Thalmung, drives down, quick shot up high, Roos fights it off, and then it just trickles. Maybe about a, two inches across the line.
0: 20 left on the power play. Price back to the blue line. Payne walking, waiting, toe-dragging, firing. Ryan cook the answer, and the rebound cleared out. By up the boards, Maynard pitch forking. As the Saints get the turnover and it will now re-enter. Even Pyle walking, hill fire! Blocker stop made by Roos, big rebound. New line, it has been a very good hockey game in that respect. At the line, Baumung the drive, didn't get through, rebound there, Johnstone scores! Ryan Johnstone, Johnny on the spot, beats through slow. and it's 3-1 Saints.
2: Baumung gonna collect his second assist on a hockey game. Just does a great job of throwing it towards the net. Johnstone, that's where he's gonna make his hay, right in front of the net. Wins a battle, excellent job by Niehaus, gets his puck up top to Baumung, doesn't dust it off, throws it on net, and then Johnstone just turns
0: fires. Balmung up the far side wall, got the clear to neutral. Maybe a shorthanded look here for Kirkpatrick. He'll walk in a backhander, he scores! What a beauty by Steven Kirkpatrick! He catches in, and shelf, short-handed, and it's four to one. Looking like the
2: young Luis Mendoza, as he breaks away and takes advantage of that bouncing puck. The Crusaders win the face-off. Ends up going back up top. Bouncing puck just eludes pain.
0: Or, and, play back in the first period, that was Ryder Maynard. It's the Crusaders though, short-handed, looking for something, along shot, they score! Cooper Sharp from the blue line is able to get that one through a maze of bodies into the back of the Saints' net. And the Crusaders have scored short-handed as well. It's a 4-2 game. Had he been able to add a wide-open look on goal. Sundar looking to find Lang strip down the wheels. High slot off the post! They score! Ethan Murner with back-to-back shorties for the crew. And suddenly it's a one-goal game.
2: And just like that, in about 30 seconds, how quickly things change. What a finish by Murner.
0: You can see them really sort of drive the paint a lot more. Murner behind the net, a backhander far side, sharp angle shot on goal off the back of the net. Dawkins in front, scrambles there! And what a glove stop made by DeKirk off power as he robs him point blank with a nice little windmill. Back to the top, Zaremba. Cross ice, stolen by Ruptash. He's in neutral, now at the blue line. He's gonna fire, and he's gonna score! Dylan Ruptash ices it. Five-three Spruce with 14 seconds left. Uh, he's
2: not gonna get an assist on the goal, Brandon, but that's all Ryan
0: to cook. The rest of the clock, and that's gonna do it. As the Spruce Grove Saints take the game five to three in their first ever tilt as members of the BC Hockey League.